strengthening not only our fellowship, but marriages as well, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children said amen and amen. You know, going into the new year, I began to talk to you just briefly about a week or two or three weeks or so before. The, not that this happens to me quite regularly, it doesn't, but the word strengthen has just been going over and over in my thoughts because I just felt like our church was needing a, a renewed work of grace to just strengthen this fellowship, to strengthen us in various ways and means. And, and so I, I found myself kind of, you know, pondering this, and so I'm going to kind of develop this just a little bit as we lead into this series here tonight. So the word strength in Scripture typically um, is, is most often a noun, so just the word strength. And it, it typically means a person's condition or health, you know, like they're simply strong, that they were made strong, you know, that condition that you put. So something you possess, the synonyms would be ability or force or power. But the word strengthen is typically a verb, and so it means to turn resolutely in a certain direction, to take something that may have been wayward slightly and then kind of bring it back into a very sure direction. So... You know, obviously, uh, you don't want to look to me to teach any type of English class at all. But the elementary difference in strength as a noun, person, place, or thing, would be that as an object or the condition of the person, or the verb strengthen, which means an action. So here, let's consider it this way. We all have some strength as an object, but we can all be strengthened, right? We can all, no matter though, we've got some measure, but, but we can all grow in strength, right? Uh, most living things can be strengthened, and even many inanimate objects can be strengthened as well. Think of this with me for a moment. Buildings and bridges, dilapidated and in disrepair, weakened in structure, structure and in foundation, they can be fortified with beams, with concrete, with boards, with footings and pillars. They can be reinforced with metal, and as that happens, it strengthens the edifice. I'm glad that they strengthen our bridges every now and then, don't you? Um, physical bodies can be strengthened by rest, or it can be hurt by too much rest, but it can be strengthened by rest, but it can be improved by diet. I'm still waiting for this process of strengthening to not have to go through this journey of diet, exercise, and weight training, but I haven't found it as of yet. But I do know physical bodies can be strengthened. Not that I know it that personally. I've read about it, and I've seen it in others. <laughs> faith. Our faith can be strengthened. Acts 16 and 5 says this, the churches were established in the faith. The word established there means this in the Greek. It means to make solid, make strong, or to strengthen. So let's read it that way. The churches were strengthened in the faith. That's what I'm believing God for our assembly in 2024. But we also know relationships can be strengthened. First of all, the most important of all is your relationship with God through Christ, Right? Our communion and fellowship with God can be strengthened through the means of prayer and obedience to the Word of God, right? Reading the Scriptures, pondering it, meditating upon it will strengthen our fellowship with God. Our relationship to each other, this body, and I do hope and pray that happens, is that we can, we can strengthen our relationship with each other by love, right? Genuine love, by good works, doing kind things for one another. By supporting people like Denise Hines, who never made it to our assembly, but people went to her brought gifts and, and love and poured ointments on her feet and, 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 and literally, literally, people in our church family poured ointment uh, and, and would rub her feet. Um, and, and that's, a, that, that's a, an act of faith, and it strengthens the, the fellowship of the body. 
Um, we can strengthen our relationship with our children if you have children or grandchildren if you have grandchildren. You strengthen this by time vested, right? I mean, it means a lot to a little child when you climb down out of your chair and play uh, a simple little card game. Or your granddad buys, uh, what was the, the stupid game that I bought? The mousetrap. And then I couldn't figure out the mousetrap. And I had to have my 11-year-old grandson figure out the mousetrap. And I still don't know how to figure out the mousetrap. But nonetheless, sitting there with those children strengthens that relationship and being considerate. And, and sometimes uh, for the older to the younger, you have to commit resources to strengthen because they don't have any resources. And so sometimes you have to use yours in strengthening that relationship. And so obviously I'm saying all that to lead up to this and that. How about the relationship with our spouse? And this is just a synopsis real quickly. Strengthen your faith. Become more aware of your spouse. When you strengthen your faith, and that's going to be part of the, the baseline for this tonight. When you do so, you will become more aware of your spouse's needs. And you will then uh, hopefully become diligent, considerate. You will sow love. You will learn to sow forgiveness. You will learn to speak kind words. You will do kind deeds. You will pray for patience. <laughs> Amen. And the process of that and many others will eventually bring about a strengthening of your relationship in marriage. Correct? I mean, it's just the old adage, if you sow good seed on good ground, you're going to reap a good harvest. Correct? And that's the part of this journey here for us tonight. So here tonight, if you're married, if you're married, um, and I'm going to cover everybody tonight. Everybody's going to get male. But if you're married, apart from your relationship, and I don't mean male as of M-A-L-E, because there's some single ladies who thought, okay, good. I didn't know that was going to happen. I, <laughs> I was thinking M-A-I-L. Let me just, I want to bring clarification to that just real quickly. If you are married, apart from your relationship and fellowship with God, your relationship with your spouse should be your most important relationship. Can I say it one more time? If you are married, apart from your relationship and fellowship with God, your relationship with your spouse should be your most important relationship. However, many times this most important of relationships is the one that is most neglected. Let's be honest. We often strive to improve other things or even other relationships, yet we neglect the one relationship that has the potential to give us something that other relationships don't have. And this is one thing that I think a healthy marriage provides. It provides a measure of stability in a topsy-turvy world. There are widows and widowers under the sound of my voice in this room tonight that previously had a healthy marriage. And as their pastor, and I have walked with them through many of their own journeys, to, after they have lost their spouse, they can tell you firsthand of the challenge and the trauma of living without their husband or their wife. And that just that stability that it provided in their own uh, just relationship, having that, that hopefully a solid relationship with their spouse. So many times, we whom are still married, we fail to truly consider our spouse our marriage relationship, and we allow neglect to set the order of that relationship. But we're going to combat that, aren't we? We're going to set our hearts after God, and we're going to run after the Lord because we were made for more. Come on, amen? <laughs> One thing I know is this. I do know this. I don't know a lot about these things, but I do know this. Very few relationships 
will be strengthened without purposeful diligence to strengthen it. If you don't set your heart to do if you just think, oh, in the natural flow of life, it's going to happen, most likely it's not going to happen. Most likely your flesh will deviate you away from it. Because some of you know the spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And whether it be the enemy or the world or the culture, whatever it is, it will foster an environment that is not conducive to, to healthy relationship building in your, between you and your spouse. Unless you pause and say, you know what, I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to be that person. We're going to be very diligent. We're going to be very purposeful. And we're going to set our hearts to strengthen our relationship. You, you can't just close. So let's go back to the physical body. And I know I was kind of making jokes about this. But it, it, Dr. Brassville mentioned it on Sunday about, you know, uh, New Year's resolutions and how quickly we fail in those. If someone does desire to strengthen their body physically, just having a good intention in their heart is not enough. I mean, if you don't set yourself to it and put yourself in a process that you know is time-proven that it's going to give results on the backside of it, then you're not losing weight or you're not gaining muscle mass or you're not developing your cardiovascular, right? None of that's going to happen just because you have a good intention. If you don't purpose in your heart, and that's really the way I feel about our study here. We have to be very diligent in our objectives here. Each of our journeys will, it has been up to this point, and it will continue to be a little bit different, simply because each of our present situations are different. If we looked around, took a poll of this room, I know the majority, the overwhelming majority of everybody's situation, but most of you do not. And among us, we have young married with children. We have married with teen children. We have married with no children. We have married empty nesters. Never mind, sorry. We have grandparents, single we have grandparents, we have those who are single by divorce, we have those who are single by death, we have those that are married to someone who doesn't necessarily share the faith or the desire to grow in faith as a spouse who could be here in this room, and then on and on. And even for some, tragically, even amongst us, can be a troubled marriage or home, which is a very difficult thing for them. And so there's not a one-size-fits-all to strengthen marriage. Do you think that's fair to say? It's not a one size. We have to adapt this to us to fit our particular situation. Working out your own salvation would imply applying, imply applying principles of faith to your specific situation. So the study that I'm going to take you through here over the next eight weeks is a study that um, is going to be different than most because it's a biblical journey. It's a biblical journey to strengthen core tenets of faith that, you are directly, that are directly related to marriage. It's very important that we strengthen your faith. So let me say it this way. If I wrote down one key of all that I'm going to say tonight as the lead-in, if you strengthen your faith, then your obedience to faith will strengthen your marriage. I'm going to say that one more time because I just think that's the heart of everything that we're going to do. As you strengthen your faith in God through the Word of God, and then you begin to obey the word of God, that will strengthen your marriage because you will show kindness, love, because God teaches you in the word to be considerate, to be forgiving, to be patient, to be... You're missing great places to say amen that are all applicable to marriage. So no one should feel excluded here tonight, not a single person, because let me tell you this, no one is judging your situation. No one or no one should be judging your situation 
No one should even be judging his or her spouse. I wanted to come here that night and say I was really looking forward to Sherry being a part of this lesson for the next several nine weeks. It just jest and fun. But, but that, that would take away from the, you know, the severity of this moment right here. And that is, this is not about your spouse. This is about you. You have to look at it like that and say, this is, you know, God instructed Adam before he ever brought him Eve. Right? And that's what we have to be and say, God, I want to be obedient to you irregardless, irregardless of what my spouse might be doing. Hopefully, by the grace of God, that both will be working towards a common goal. Right? Which is very important. But I can't, I have to do my part and respond to the Holy Spirit and to the convictions of the Word of God irregardless. So this is not about judging. The only person that you should be judging here is yourself. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5 says, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. So the question you should be asking yourself is, how can I improve my response to my situation relationally as I strengthen my faith in God? That's good. So I'm going to say it one more time. That's the question I think you should be asking. How can I improve my response to my situation relationally? By strengthening my faith in God. So as I start this journey, it's to strengthen my faith. And as I grow in faith, I'm going to grow in my relationship, hopefully with my spouse. Even if you are a widow or a widower, and you don't necessarily see yourself being remarried one day. The reason why I say this is for everybody. Then you should say, well, maybe, maybe I don't see myself. Maybe you're at a particular season in your life where you say, okay, I lost my spouse and I don't necessarily see myself being remarried. Well, then, but what about being a mentor? What about being a counselor? What about learning and growing in the spirit and the knowledge related to marriage so that you can be in prayer for somebody in your family, for their marriage? Come on, I'm, I'm teaching or preaching better than you are shouting, <laughs> even on this, in this lesson here tonight, because sometimes we just have a tendency to think, well, it doesn't really affect me. No, yes, it does. If you've got children and grandchildren, they may come to you one day and say, help me with this problem that we're going through. And if you haven't studied the Word of God, how are you going to be able to answer them? How do you, where are you going to be able to point to and say, if, if there's an issue that the, the Scripture directly speaks to and you don't even know where it's at? So, so this is for everybody, that we all have a seat at the table. We all have a means of response. And we should all have a desire to grow in faith and strengthen either my own marriage or the marriage of others. Now, our study guide, the infamous book that I'm holding out of your hands for about another 15 more minutes, our study guide is not the key textbook. This is the key textbook. This is the key textbook. The study guide is simply a means. It's exactly that, a guide. It's to guide us to the place where we then dig out the treasure of Scripture. Come on, that will help us grow in our faith. The wisdom of this world is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Can I say it one more time? The wisdom of this world is earthly, sensual, devilish. But the wisdom from above is pure, and it's easy to be received. And as you equip and prepare your heart, you will receive the truth of the Word of God. But you have to search it out. It's going to take effort. You have to prayerfully and diligently and sincerely go after the truth of God's Word. Because then and only then will your faith be strengthened, and then and only then will your marriage be strengthened. So what will this journey look like? 
That's what I'm going to go take you for the next few minutes. It's an overview tonight. What's this going to look like? So first of all, tonight is our introduction, obviously, and when you receive the books. So lesson number one is going to be taught by our own, you can go ahead and put that up there, number one. It's going to be taught by our own Dr. Phil Brassfield next week. And he's going to teach God's purpose for marriage. Have you ever thought about that? God's purpose for marriage. Not your desire. What's his desire? That's that, that, just that, that changes the narrative a little bit. What was, what was in the heart and the mind of God and what is in the heart and mind of God for not only marriage in general, but what about for your marriage? What, have, have, you ever, have you ever even took it to that place where you said, God, what is the purpose? What is our deep, I was made for more. Our marriage was made for more. Did you know Jesus said marriage was in the beginning? Y'all remember that? Jesus said, in the beginning, God made them male and female. Remember that? Matthew chapter 19. So if it was in the beginning and that God had an intent in his heart when, when Adam slept in the garden and he took, uh, whether figurative or whether it is actual, in actuality, I believe in the actuality of it, the way it is, the way it's worded in Scripture, that he took from him a rib, made of him a woman, brought him unto the man. Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. All of those beautiful words of exhortation to us, can that original God-ordained purpose for marriage still be achieved? That's good, isn't it, church family? That's what we should be looking for. We should be looking for God, let your will be done in my marriage and not mine. Lesson number two. Lesson number two says the husband's responsibility. But when you get the book, lesson number two will say the wife's responsibility. But I thought that to be out of order because God puts the responsibility first upon the man to love his wife as Christ loved the church. So I'm going to reverse that order of the order of the book just so that you'll know that. What does the Word of God have to say to the man? Does the Scripture speak very specific instruction? It did in the Genesis, the very first exhortation that God gave to Adam. Did you know the word Adam there in the Hebrew just simply means man made from the red clay earth? And that very first exhortation that God gave to Adam or a man was that he was to leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. But is that the only instruction? What are some of the key instructions? Men, have you ever just set your heart that says, I'm going to study out what God has said to me, to me, to, to, to the Reverend Leroy Brown? Um, by the way, just for everybody so that you'll know, I need to bring some clarity real quickly. It's a very funny thing. I'm not going to tell you all of it today. Maybe in private, I'll tell you later. Leroy Brown is just my stage name, just so you know. And Sister Sherita, that's just her stage name. That's Sherry. And actually, her name is Cheryl. And, but we go by Sherry. And, uh, but it's not Sherita, but that's just my stage. That's her stage name because it has to balance out the Leroy Brown. Okay, so we'll let it go. We'll let it go. There's an undercurrent story to that that we won't talk about now. But it's very funny. But we'll just let it go. So, so, so have you. I, I have. I, I have for many years. I've, I, I say, God, what do you say to me in the text 
as a husband. What are you saying to me? Men, I want to challenge you. You've got to know what God expects of you. You have to. Then lesson number three, then, will be the wife's responsibility. Once again, Pastor Brown's going to teach that. I'll probably include some ladies to help me because that would look awkward if I didn't. Um, but for, to the ladies, what unique calling does the female of the union have placed on her by God? Not by culture, right? Not by sometimes even the church society. But what does the word of God place upon this, what I say, the most beautiful of all earthly created beings, the woman. It's still woe man to me. Come on, somebody. Particularly that woe man right there. Right? Yes, Jerry said she hopes so. Well, it's, it's here. It's part of the lesson. So work with me. <laughs> Let me tell you, though, I'm, I will go into this on that. There can be a breach in the blessing, especially... Sometimes if, 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 if a woman doesn't embrace the divine call of God on her life in her roles and responsibility, there can be a breach in the blessing. And I'm going to highlight that and share that with you. Lesson number four, we're going to revert once again to our own Dr. Phil Brassfield. And he is going, the good doctor is what I call him many times. The good doctor is going to teach about good communication. I mean, you know, that's very important in marriage. I mean, you know, sometimes we fail miserably in that. Miserably. Sometimes, I wrote it this way, it's perhaps the bedrock of fundamental principles to a strong or healthy marriage is this thing called good or effective communication. But the reality is, as many of us are poor listeners. Can I say, we're poor listeners, and if you're a poor listener, you are a poor communicator. Right? And so that chapter is going to challenge us to challenge ourselves. How can I improve in my communication, in my relationship to my spouse? I'm excited. I look forward to anytime Dr. Brassville teaches, I look forward to it. Lesson number five, financial agreement. And our own Shane Parrish will be teaching this one. Did you know studies show but typically the leading, if not the leading, one of the leading causes of marriage failure is financial pressure. Financial pressure. Oftentimes when financial pressure comes, people get agitated and then become accusational. And then instead of the couple leaning into each other, they begin to tear at one another. And, and in doing so, they make matters worse. Um, what I have discovered after many years of pastoring and also working out things in my own life as well, uh, typically this is results from the husband and wife not walking in agreement concerning finances. How many know the Bible says, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? And if the financial situation has the potential to be the, one of the most precarious parts of marriage because it can tip your marriage one way or the other very quickly, then it behooves husband and wives to have heart-to-heart -heart communication. It's why I think it's very important that it's following good communication because you've got to have good communication to have financial agreement, right? But it's critical 
You know, the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that money is the answer to all things. And I know that then there's the passage in the scripture in 1 Timothy that says the love of money is the root of all evil. But money is a part of the culture and the society that we live in in the world today. And, and you've got to come to the place as a husband and wife where you are handling your resources in harmony and agreement with one another. Because if you don't, if you don't, uh, it's, you're going to keep constant pressure in the home. And I'm telling you, I don't know if there's any greater pressure than financial pressure. Right? It's tough, isn't it? And we can, we might, every, I don't, I'm going to dare say this, but the majority of us at some point in time have gone through seasons of financial pressure. And if you're not walking in the spirit and walking in faith when you're going through a moment like that, we have a tendency again to respond and retaliate towards the one that we should be working together with. I believe, I I believe, I'll go ahead, I shouldn't, but I will, because I think that my son-in-law would be be okay for me, I won't go into details fully, but when Matt preached several weeks ago, that, that was a great word, wasn't it? And, 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 and many of you remember that. It really uh, impacted. And, and, and he talked a little bit in the message about where they had been financially. Did anybody remember just a little bit, kind of catching that, those references? And a lot of it was the result of poor decisions that he had made personally. And I talked to them together, and I, I said, but especially, to, really to both, I, I, I dipped into Dave Ramsey Jr.'s you know, uh, theology and ideology over here. And I, I went back to the, to the Dave Ramsey principles. And I said, the, the principles, everybody knows the economic principles of Dave Ramsey. They're simple. I mean, if you came through high school at all, you know those principles. What does it, what does it help? It brings the couple into unity. That was, the, that was the greatest thing that I observed when, I, when Sherry and I was walking through a little bit of a financial hardship many years ago, is that her means of communicating it differed from my means of communicating about it. How I many know men and women communicate differently? And we were not in harmony. And so our conversations were failing us. So I sat down and I read the book that I'd read previously. I didn't gain, gain a great epiphany on how to manage finances. We knew how to manage finances. But what we, didn't have, what we weren't doing is communicating together. And once we began to communicate and speak the same language, we saw the favor of God. Well, Matt and Ashley, when they took this and they began to pray and think, and once they, I I told them this, I said, God can bless you as long as you are in agreement. And I just think that's a critical point. And they began to see the grace of God and the blessing of God. And I believe that you can as well for your marriage. And our own Shane Parrish will teach that. And I know that those are principles that he holds to deeply. Two can come together in financial agreement and walk in God's blessing. Lesson number six. We got a high five on that. Can I have a high five on that? <laughs> come on, somebody. I started to freak JoJo out and say, JoJo's going to be teaching this lesson for us on that night. He's out of youth ministry. He's graduated forward. <laughs> But what we're going to do, though, is unless inclement weather bumps us off of schedule, on February the 14th is a Wednesday night. We are catering a meal for everybody that's participating in the study. You won't have to do anything but show up. You'll bring your children. Chelsea will feed your children on the north end. 
Caleb will feed the youth up here in the foyer. We will give the youth the sanctuary, and we will stay in the fellowship hall, and we will put a good atmosphere for every participant to, and provide a meal for you, and then I'm going to teach on this principle of sexual unity because here's what I'm going to ask you a question. Do you understand that there is a spirituality of your sexuality? Do you know that the physical act of sex has a deeper spiritual purpose? And what does it mean when two shall be one? So you got to come that night to know that and to learn it. Some of you probably already do, but you'll be reminded of it. Lesson number seven. I'm surprised I didn't get a better response on number six. I'd already told Brother Billy back there earlier. I said, Billy, focus on lesson six here tonight just a little bit. And so <laughs> I guess everybody was afraid. I guess everybody was very spiritual, and they just didn't want to talk about it. You know, Joe's good. He was in. He was in. That's right. <laughs> so listen, would you not say that number seven is the natural byproduct of a healthy lesson number six? <laughs> Raising children. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and read my notes the way I wrote them. It'll help you. The end result of the passion of the previous lesson is children. No amen somewhere amongst the church family? Scripture teaches the di- dynamic principles. How many know the scriptures teach you how to parent your children? Right? The, the scripture does. And it also teaches us the effect that the raising the children can have on the marriage. You know, a growing family that does not have dad and mom unified and working together on raising the children will have constant strife, constant strife. And it won't take long before your children will recognize the, the differences that mom and dad aren't in agreement on, and they will soon be playing the children or playing the parents against each other, right? And then favoritism often emerges, and Scripture gives a number of examples of this. I mean, we've got one of the most famous of all, and that of the offspring of Isaac, Jacob and Esau, where the Scripture says that Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. I, I, I don't want that to be ever said about my children. I don't want it to be that Pastor Brown loved Alyssa but didn't love Ashley. So I I want my heart to be set as a father and yours as a parent as well to learn of what the effect of of us, our parenting and husbands and wives. And I know that there's all different seasons of life in the room from those that have small children or teenage children or grown children. Whatever the case, again, you adapt this to your life. It's just imperative for the home and the children and the marriage that both spouses see their children as the heritage of the Lord. Where you see them by faith and that you learn this and you work together as husbands and wife to, uh, to, to accomplish the, the, and to pray for God's purpose to be accomplished in the life of your children. God, let your will be done in the life of my children. Let your will, God, let, let the grace of God be upon them. Principles of faith, prophetic words that can be spoken over your children that can alter their future. I believe that. I believe in the power of the spoken word. You know, I, what, I, I remember one of the, I think one of the greatest messages that I have ever, uh, depth, I would say, that I've ever preached, and you won't even remember it. I'm going to draw, I didn't have it in my notes, but I'm going to talk about it just real quickly. Did you know that uh, Luke chapter number three, 
uh, tells us that there were several Roman leaders in Judea at a particular time, the time that the author is writing. And he, and he listens, he, he mentions them, Herod, Achilleus, I think it is, or, and he mentions a couple of them. But, but then he says this, he said, and then Annas and Caiaphas was the high priest. He mentions a couple of Roman procurators, but he said this. And he said, but the word of the Lord came unto John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And, and, and we often overlook, and we don't even catch that, the word of the Lord came to John. What word of the Lord? Does anybody remember what happened to Zechariah? His father, when he went into the temple as an aged man, he burned incense in the evening sacrifice. It was a privilege, you know, that they, they ministered by itineration. They ministered by lot. They ministered by order, I should say. Like, you didn't do it all the time. You did it like, okay, now's my day to offer incense. Then I go back home. I might not come back for six months to offer incense. And he's in there, and an angel of the Lord appears to him and prophesies or speaks a prophetic word to him that says, your wife, whose womb is barren and she's aged, is going to have a child. And he stumbles in unbelief. And because he stumbles in unbelief, what happens? He's muted. He can't speak. And so he comes back out after many, you know, just lingering too long in the holy place. The people are wondering. He's kind of just scrambling with his arms. He can't speak. And then he goes back home. And y'all have heard me. I've kind of evangelized this. That's when the Old Spice and Lesson Number 6 comes out. Even aged people come together. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and so then it's not that long before Elizabeth is with child. She that was barren in her old age is with child. And, and so it's a powerful story. And then at the, uh, when the child is born, there's the time of dedication. as the Hebrew children were dedicated unto the Lord. At the time of the naming of the child, they came and they said, well, we're going to name him after Zacharias because the ladies talked to Elizabeth. So we're going to name him Zacharias. But Elizabeth said, no, we're going to name him Yohanan in the Hebrew, John. And, and, and they said, well, you don't have anybody in your, in your family named Yohanan or John. Nobody's there. He said, we're going to ask Zechariah. And Zechariah can't speak. And so they come to Zechariah and say, what do you want to name the boy? And he calls without speaking for a writing tablet. And he takes it. And in probably Hebrew, he scrolls out the words, his name is Yohanan or John. And when he writes that last letter of that word, immediately his mouth is loosed. And he begins to prophesy about the destiny of his son that the word of God is going to come to him. And when that word went off of the lips of that anointed man of God, the father of the child, that word hovered over this earth for 30 years until John was in the wilderness and then the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah. The word that was prophesied by his father. And that's why you need to know that you need to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And you speak life over them. Right. Hallelujah. Woo. I guess I'll be the one preaching that when it says Pastor Brown up there. It's in my heart. And I hope it can inspire you. Um, it's imperative. Lastly, number eight. And we'll let someone that just has a great family heritage of faith. Our own Shane Parrish is going to teach us about family religion. Knowing the overall effect of your faith. How's it going to affect? My faith is going to affect my marriage. Our marriage is going to affect our children. And then it's going to affect our children and our children's children. I texted Shane this late earlier today when the Lord just dropped this in my heart. I know it's simple, but it just became more real when I looked at Lesson 8 or the title of Lesson 8, a godly heritage begins with a godly marriage. Let me say it to you one more time. A godly heritage 
begins with a godly marriage. And I want to strength, I pray that we will strengthen our marriages. So the last, that would be the ninth week, if we're not disrupted because of inclement weather, I will then go to a final week of review testimony, and I'll close with communion of that last week. And that should, if we didn't interrupt, it would end the last week in February. If we have a, to miss a service because of inclement weather, we could bump into March. So let's close with just four verses, and then we're going to come down, and we're going to pray. And we're going to just take a book, and we're going to be done tonight and start this journey. So if you and I are determined to be faithful to a personal study, if you determine to look up Scripture. Now, listen, here's what you can't do. You can't say, man, I've been married for 63 years. You know, I got this down. That's like saying I can't get anything new and fresh from God. I, I can't go there with you. How I many of God is always revealing his grace to us, right? We should ever be learning of his goodness and his grace. Come on, somebody, amen? And, and, and we should always be willing to say, you know, what do I need to do to make, and, to make my marriage more effective and more effectual, to have more of the favor of God upon it? What part can I play? to prayerfully consider my heart, my faith, my action, and then I really believe marriage will stay, the, will be, your marriage will be strengthened. Four verses of Scripture we're going to read here tonight in closing from four different passages. Keep your heart with all diligence, Proverbs 4 23. It all begins right here, church family. You got to keep it. You got to determine to hide the Word of God in your heart. With, notice the word, with all diligence. Second Peter 1 and 5 says this, And besides this, give all diligence. You've got to be diligent. Come on, amen. I'm going to stay with you. I get a better amen. It's not going to just happen. You know, how many of you have ever had a, a good garden, you know, just a vegetable garden? Did it ever just happen? I mean, like, you know, spring of the year, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, you walk out there one day, and you got, you know, four rows of corn. There's not a weed in there, and then beside it is okra, and then there's tomatoes, and it just happened. In eternity, it's just going to happen. But on this side of eternity, somebody's going to roll their sleeves up, and you're going to have to keep the garden, till the garden, work in the garden, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge. 2 Peter 1 and 10, therefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Make these things sure. Be diligent. I'm just drawing your attention to the word diligent. And lastly here today, Joshua 22 and 5, but take diligent heed to do the commandment of the law, which Moses, the servant of God. And this was under the Mosaic covenant. He said, and to keep his commandments, to cleave unto him, to serve him with all your heart and soul and your mind and your spirit. So I want to go back to this and say this. This is your textbook. This is not a book that you're going to pick up here in a minute that's going to provide. It's going to have about five or six pages of information supplied by the author. And then it's going to take you. You're going to have to get, get a loan. I would dare say it would take you about 30 minutes to actually take the, the workbook. And you're going to have to have your Bible opened here. And you're going to have to have your workbook. And you're going to have to have a pen. And it's going to ask you some hard questions. And then it's going to ask you to turn to a passage of Scripture, and it's going to have you answer the following question. I'll give you an example. What is the one word that summarizes the wife's responsibility to the husband? 
out of this particular passage. This just happened to be chapter 3 where I opened up to. It's example. You have to, you have to dig it out. As you dig it out, you have to put it in. It's got to go from here to here. But I know this, the word of God does not fail. And if you and I will diligently seek the Lord, why don't y'all stand up with me tonight? Let's see what time it is. It is 740, a good time to close tonight. Let's come down to the front for just a moment, and I'll tell you how this, we'll, we'll, we'll pass these books out. Because if I have over 60 books here tonight, a handful of you will get a copy of lesson number one, and then I will have expedited books, sent additional books tomorrow. How many do I have? Did anybody count, Dwayne, here tonight? Because each husband and wife must have one book. Let's, let's take a moment. And for how many we have? We... All right. So a handful of, of us is going to, uh, I'm going I'm to make copies of it for you. So I need about 10 people that say, Pastor Brown, if you made me a copy of chapter number one, I can take that and I'll work that. Until my book comes in, I will pay extra to get it here, and I'll have it for you early next week. So I didn't know how many people would come out. And so I appreciate this great number of men and women. Amen? Amen. Let's pray tonight. Father, I love you. Come on, church family. You pray. Come on, let's pray. You pray. Come on, take, it, take a moment right now. God of heaven, help us. Help us. You know your situation. Don't think, well, I don't have a spouse. This is not for me. That's not true. The word of God is for you. The Word of God, the journey, the growth, the study, the blessing, the favor, the knowledge to pass, whether, whether you rather remarry or not, to pass, to have this information and this experience in your heart of the Word of God to share with others. God, we come to you today, and we're grateful. Those that are married, we're grateful for our spouses. Those that, Father God, are, that are single, that are one day are going to, to be married or remarried, God, we're praying for wherever that spouse is, God. We're praying that there's a work of grace in their heart and life. And Father, the, the, the widows and the widowers among us, God, that have recently come through a very difficult and painful season of their life, God, I just pray in Jesus' name that just by studying the Word, it's going to strengthen their faith, God, and it's going to help them to perhaps strengthen others, God. And, and for all the marriages, God, that are represented here tonight, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that husbands and wives, God, will just grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of God Father God, and we won't judge anybody but ourselves. Come on, somebody. We won't judge anybody but ourselves. God, well, I pray, Lord, tonight, Father, God, that, that the Spirit of God would help us, help each one of us. God, help the men and women that are here in this room. God, walk with us on this journey. Come on, who'll pray that with me? I feel the Spirit of God right there. God, walk with us on this journey. God, help us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Help us, God, to... To, to learn to value the, the loved one that you've sent into our life. Uh, help us to, Father God, to be considerate of one another. Help us to, to learn how to be pleasing to you in marriage. God, we're, we're sometimes, God, we have a reputation as a sound Christian in the community. But then sometimes in home, God, we're not carrying that same character. And God, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us, God. Help, help, our, help our family to become our greatest fans, God, that they will just say, I, 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 I always saw a true representative of the love of God or the person of Christ because of, my, of that, my, my spouse or my husband or my wife or my father or my mother. I pray that over our church family. God, go with us. I'm going to ask you, Lord, I want to ask you to go with us. God, I, I pray that I have followed the leading of the Holy Spirit by taking the church family on this journey. 
that this word strengthen has merit to our season that we're in right now. That it's not just a ploy, it's not just something that churches do, have one little word, but it really means something to our church family, God. Father, I love you, and I'm so grateful for your blessing tonight, God. So thankful for your Holy Spirit. And I just bless the people of God. I bless them. I bless them on this journey. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's children said, Amen and amen. All right, now, here's what I got. 